Hi everyone and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness podcast. You join me today for episode number 140, which is part two of my two-parter in which I'm talking about the impact that woke ideology and progressive politics is having upon modern society. So thank you all again, as always, for tuning in. Um, I hope you guys are all doing well during these times. So I'm going to start today's episode. Uh, I just want to return really to the main thrust of the point that I'm getting across in these two episodes. And that's this idea of woke ideology and the role it plays as the ultimate political Trojan horse, if we know, if if you will. Sorry. So if we uh, consider the basic kind of dictionary definition of a Trojan horse is a person or thing intended to undermine or secretly overthrow an enemy or opponent. Okay, sounds easy enough to understand. So in this context, the controlling powers, which we'll call the globalists, um, are, I believe, again, this is just my opinion, are obsessed with maintaining domination over the world and the ability and the ability they have to manipulate so-called democratically elected governments predominantly in the west their ultimate goal or quest is to re- reduce humanity to the level of farm animals in a type of transhumanist dystopian nightmare and will just exist as slaves to this one per- 1% so-called elite class who will finally have saved humanity from itself, or so the story goes. And in their sick, twisted, psychopathic, insane minds, I think they believe that they're still on on path to achieve that, but uh, I don't think that's going to actually happen. So, can they make this a reality? Um, back in part one, I spoke, um, I spoke about the deliberate attempt to create a society full of emotionally immature individuals who have little or no capacity for critical thought. Um, Such people, um, if they've also been made into victims or a victim, perhaps I should say, based upon their ethnicity, sexuality or gender, I believe they are far more likely to remain blind to the very obvious or way in which um, society is moving, the very obvious negative changes that are are happening within society. Um, Because once you become, um, once you become um, kind of like a victim or once you're part of the victim class or a victim, a victim group, your kind of view of the world and self becomes, becomes uh, extremely myopic, if you will. So, these kind of um, victims could be regarded, victim groups or individuals could be regarded as the unwit- unwitting dupes who are pushing the Trojan horse to the gates at Troy, believing they are leading the revolution against, ironically enough, the very same elite class or forces who continue to enslave them. Um, and as always happens in history, the useful idiots, as they're called, called leading um, the cultural revolution, are always thrown under the bus 
once they have served their purpose. So in modern society, these victim groups, which I've previously mentioned, provide they provide the veneer of respectability, or a veneer, I should say, of respectability, whilst the globalists deliberately promote alternative sexual lifestyles with the aim of destroying the sanctity and primacy of the family unit. So what I'm trying to get across here is that um, whilst the controlling powers, the globalists, are on, on the surface at least, appear to be championing the rights of these minorities, actually they are working to, to disempower them. But in a lot of cases, these victim groups, they don't have the capacity to see this. They are being controlled and they are being manipulated and it's, it's very sad. Also, uh, within society, um, we know this is going on and it's horrible to mention it, but there are darker malevolent forces who are attempting to make it acceptable to, pro to propose lowering the age of consent in order to give free reign to perverts and paedophiles. We know this is going on, but we can't deny it, unfortunately, and it, it really is, is quite horrific. And if you follow my work on discerning consciousness, you know that I always try and share a balanced perspective, unlike some of the more sort of bellicose, unbalanced truther slash conspiracy narratives. But I've never said that any of these dark, awful things are not going on. That's, that's not the point. Part of the reason why I set up Descending Consciousness and I continue to put out content is to just try and help people to navigate life without getting crushed by the darkness, if you will, and not, and not getting crushed by the knowledge that these awful things are going on because we still have to live our day-to-day -day lives. Anyway, we also know um, that these dark forces, um, they are actively promoting division between uh, racial groups in order to create chaos within society and destroy any hope for harm harmony. Just at a time, if I put my spiritual perspective on, or my spirit, um, view things through a spiritual lens, we know we've got this harmonisation of consciousness, the elevation of the energies on the planet and we're all, you know, things are elevating and that's why um, the dark powers, the dark forces can feel their control slipping away. That's why they're becoming more visible. That's why they became extremely visible during the COVID um covid um psyop and that's why these agendas are increasingly uh, being ramped up and there's just increasing disharmony within society and anyone with an ounce of common sense can see these, these things that are going on are just morally re reprehensible and it's um and it's wrong so another aspect to the deliberate maliciousness of the woke agenda uh, i believe um is a, is a really another important point to make is it's it's attempting to weaken everyone really everyone's um strength and resolve i'll give you an example because if you happen to be a parent and you can't speak out about the obvious immorality immorality of drag queen story time for children or the continued attempt to sexualize children at a younger and younger age if you can't express that the horror of that and the fact it's wrong one of two things happens 
You either attempt to fight back against these predatory forces that are deliberately attempting to destroy the innocence of childhood, or you just simply give up. You turn yourself away because you can't face it. One um, thinks of the phrase, the very famous phrase by Timothy Leary, tune in and drop out. Um, you know, how many people have you spoken to recently, just as a more parochial example, who have said the world's gone insane? I can't deal with it anymore again since COVID. Sorry to mention the C word again. I think such people then tend towards sedation and distraction and addictions. And then, of course, when people um, choose that particular path, you know, then they're far more easy to control um, and manipulate. But I understand for quite a lot of people, that is the only way in which they can see fit to cope with this woke madness that we're that we're currently living that we're currently living through. And uh, we probably all um, walk that sort of very thin line between. Um, sanity uh, and insanity uh, it's something that um, Charles Eisenstein on his YouTube channel spoke about uh, recently um, at a talk he was um, giving and it's something that I mentioned in the context of the Mayan the Mayan prophecy uh, and the the work of the late and excellent uh, Ian Zell Lungold he was saying you know during this time a lot of people are simply going to go insane. Um, Ian was talking about it from a slightly different perspective than Charles Eisenstein was. Um, but yeah, it is hard living during these times. It, it's not just uh, like, a, what, how can I explain it? It's, it's very real and it's, it's very raw. It's just navigating life in the midst of this insanity and these sort of perverted norms that we have to agree to in this sort of the new authoritarianism is, is my other word for, for woke is is um is is really really hard and um something that, again i've said on my podcast many times is i totally understand people who want want to escape it all want to find intentional communities or i mean like i was talking about um, recently in terms of people heading out into the wilds wherever on this beautiful planet to escape it all to me that is a perfectly um, kind of perfectly logical response anyway I'm just going to move on now and want to flesh out again this idea of returning to the subject of victims or victim groups and this is within a UK contract context what I'm seeing within the UK I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world because I don't live there, obviously. So I can only really talk about the UK. But what I'm seeing, and again, I know these are controversial things to talk about, so so forgive me. But what I'm witnessing is a very orchestrated and deliberate attempt, I believe, to trigger a, a race war in this country uh, so that the the dark forces, the hidden unknowns, those pulling the, screen, the strings can escape, once again, proper scrutiny and justice. Now, in terms of um, race and ethnicity, I'll explain that. Kind of like the 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 the, the real divide uh, uh, that that's 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 trying to be instituted within British society, which I have to say, in my fifty-one years living here, is 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 in many ways quite. We are quite a tolerant people, 
and uh, quite a, quite a, a tolerant quite a tolerant nation to be fair. So in terms of race and ethnicity, what we're seeing here, um, we've had this campaign called um, it's like promotion of the black British pound. Okay, so um, this is a campaign. I think it started about three years ago. Forgive me, I don't know the details of it. In which um, black Brits or uh, British black people of sort of Afro-Caribbean or African descent were encouraged to only buy from black owned businesses. And this was again was promoted as a good thing. It's woke, it's progressive, it's readdress you know, it's readdressing all the all the all the past wrongs and making them right. Another more recent example of this kind of divide developing within society, which as we know doesn't really exist. It has to be created so we don't work together as human beings. That divide has to be, you know, put like a, a monkey wrench in the works. So another example, about a month ago, a theatre production in a northern city here in the UK called Manchester actively encouraged white people to stay away um, from the production. They didn't want they didn't want to see. Uh, I think the quote I saw was um, didn't want to see white eyes there witnessing whatever production was going on. I don't know what it is. Um, you're probably all more familiar with this because um, what I'm going to talk about now briefly, Netflix is a live streaming service, of course, it's available all over the world, thanks to the internet. Of course, as you know, probably Netflix is uh, owned by the Bernays family. <laughs> Make of that what you will. But anyway, on Netflix, if you go and have a look, if you happen to have it, has a category called Black Voices on the left hand side. And when you click uh, on it, all the movies and TV show productions feature only black people. Now, uh, I mean, I I'm just thinking, of course, Nelson Mandela must be turning in, turning in his grave because we, you know, we we're sort of returning to the levels of racism and, and segregation that we haven't seen in the 1960s in South Africa. Only this time, you know, like... Um, um, the bully becomes the victim and the vi victim becomes the bully. And again, this is where people say it's like a satanic inversion of what's going on um, within within society. Um, as I was saying earlier, this sort of upside down dimension, you know, thinking in an Orwellian kind of way, one plus one, sorry, two plus two equals five. Apparently two plus two no longer equals four. I mean, just think in terms of common sense would conclude um, that um, I think that black groups or, you know, things like BLM in, in more of a US context are deliberately being made into victims in order to control and, and weaken them, weaken them. Because once you, you know, you, you tell someone you're a victim, then, of course, people are, um, first of all, they're made angry. Secondly, they want to, you know, find out, find the perpetrator who, who's who's doing wrong or harm to them. And then they want to ensure, you know, that they're brought to justice. So, you know, I believe that's that's what the globalists and the hidden unknowns beyond the political structures that we see from the globalists, um, from the globalists, what they're attempting to do. So, yeah, it's classic classic kind of ploy of playing one group off against another 
because as I said before, this ensures that those who are actually pulling the strings remain hidden in the shadows. Although at this point, and I've made this during all of my many COVID shows and analyses, that the one good thing about COVID-19, it did, it did demonstrate um, perhaps in more transparent ways um, than they would have wanted um, you know, that they're not in possession of some sort of godlike omnipotent power, I should say. And the mere fact that they are now baring their teeth so strongly in the, you know, um, in the clearest of ways in terms of what we saw during um, the last three years of COVID and, of course, with the whole woke uh, ideology, it's right in our faces now. And as we know, when a power structure reveals itself in such a clear and uh, predominant way, it's an evidence that they are. It's evidence that they are rattled, because the best, the best form of power is administered when it is hidden, of course. So more broadly, as we know, it isn't just race that has been used to divide and sow discord. Uh, between individuals and groups. Again, in a UK context, um, what I've noticed is, again, you could say this part of the whole kind of feminist drive, feminist push, which comes under the umbrella of woke and progressive politics. I've noticed this, this over-promotion of women's sport um, in that now it has to be seen to rival men's sports um, but if we think in terms of football, sorry, I mean soccer in a North American context, um, the facts simply tell a different story in that there are huge discrepancies in terms of um, attendances, say, between the top league, British league, English league, sorry, the premiership and um, women's uh, professional league. And obviously the quality of the players and the skill level but again, if I, you know, had um, a public platform in the mainstream world, well, I kind of did with YouTube, but they deleted my channel for some reason, I would be seen as some sort of heretic and, and driven out. Um, I mean, the thing is, women have always played sport at various levels of competition, but only now we're led to believe that they've had to overcome great struggles against the patriarchy in order to achieve success. In the current context, I really don't believe this is its not true. And again, it's designed to create division and so uh, discord between um, men and women. Um, the, the Those who are controlling and manipulating, um, they again, they care, <laughs> they care not about the rights of women. They care not about the rights of men or human beings. Their main intent is just to sow division and chaos. So furthermore, another example on the UK on our TV and terrestrial TV as such, you constantly see features um, on TV shows championing young girls in sport, but young boys simply don't seem to exist or matter anymore, especially young working class boys, I hasten to add. And also all of the conversations are framed um, this is something else I've no noticed about how they um, discuss women in sport more generally, I should say, is all the conversations are framed with professional women in sport 
is to downplay the natural and innate characteristics of a woman. So, if a sportswoman or athlete has returned to her sport following a pregnancy, it's almost as if they talk in terms of as if she's just gone through major heart sur surgery. So it's viewed as this amazing feat, this tremendous achievement that she overcame the burden of motherhood and childbirth and all that she had to endure to reach the top level of sport. Now, of course, yeah, on one level, that's that's an achievement. But I feel the whole thrust of this type of analysis is to downplay women's natural kind of their natural biology, if you will. And this is all um, this is all part of it's all part of the kind of woke um, ideological brain brainwashing um, within society as such. I now want to move on. I'm just going to briefly touch upon um, one aspect of our cultural obsession at the moment, and this is this sort of idea of non-binary, okay? And I'm just going to basically say, for sake of time, that I think it's perfectly natural for young, the younger, younger generation to play or experiment with different forms of identity. It's always happened and it always will. But I just think this process um, has been co-opted or hijacked uh, by extremely malevolent forces who seek to enslave humanity. Sorry, I'm kind of drilling home that point a little bit excessively in this episode. Um, so this this used to be a kind of like a real sacred private space, this exploring one's um, gender and sexuality. And it was something, of course, that could and does cause a lot of stress, but it was a realm or a space that politics didn't really enter. Now, some people, this is just my opinion again, some people say, well, it's good because it's now it's more out in the open. But I do think there's, um, you know, it's like um, this drive to get pre prepubescent children uh, onto, you know, um, puberty blocking drugs. Um, this is happening uh seems to be happening at a younger younger age and i i feel well that's quite you know if a child is say 10 11 are they really equipped even with counseling and good you know good counsel are they equipped to make such a decision whereas once upon a time they wouldn't have even had that option of going down that route if you like and that's what i mean by the way in which that very sacred personal space has now uh become become politicized if you want if you like and um at the same time there are certain norms and expectations that have been built in that are deliberately set up to confuse um and weaken vulnerable people i think all young people you know when we go through youth we're a very young we're sorry we're at a very vulnerable stage of our development as human beings and we're looking for for easy answers we're looking for well if I feel like that that must mean that and and yet I feel that you know as an older person in my early 50s I think when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s you know there was more of that kind of freedom but I do understand people who would say well at least now there's more openness perhaps you know where people can talk about if they're confused around about their um their sexual inclination their sexuality shall we say 
But that's all I'm going to say in this particular episode about sort of current cultural obsession with um, sort of non-binary, if you will. Um, I'm just going to move on now uh, and talk about, uh, again, another kind of aspect of the whole woke thing, which is identity politics. Now, it's a common trend amongst the younger generation, but not exclusively. And it's actively encouraged by the system who, who actively encourage younger pe people to identify themselves in terms of their sexuality and gender um, because it is deemed to be the ultimate form of personal freedom uh, and, uh, and self-expression. And um, we often hear the word, don't we, phrase gender equality, it's constantly spoken about uh, in, in the media, words and phrases like gender fluidity. Um, they're common terms um, often here repeated, sorry, and they are, again, we're back to them, meaningless words and phrases because they have no concrete or objective meaning to them, kind of a bit like a word salad. Now, of course, when I was growing up, um, the distinction between sex and gender was quite clear, so you had sex meant biological, it was the biological and physiological physiological aspect of the human and gender was the socially constructed characteristics of the individual if you will now those distinctions have become all kind of blurred and almost meaningless in terms of identity politics in that now people can identify as whatever they want and they can even marry the uh, object of their <laughs> fascination if you like so and you know furthermore as an extension of this aspect of identity politics is as a society i think we seem to be obsessed with sexuality and sexual identity in many ways it's been elevated to an exalted status and um in some ways you could say it's leading to increasingly increasing fragmentation within society which some people argue is caused by a kind of extreme form of individuation which if you think of it the very heart of the meaning of identity politics is is about this extreme form of individu individuation if you like that's the very definition so again we have to come back to because people rightly would say, well, Ant, you're saying there's all this control and manipulation. Go, But why do they manipulate? Why? Why is this happening? Why do they want to subvert things? Well, again, I'm kind of like open to this ideal. Perhaps people become less altruistic when they obsess about their sexual identity in this context. Maybe their focus is turned towards superficiality and self-aggrandizement rather than more weighty concerns about the world and how we relate to the how we relate to the external world. I think there probably is some truth to this, obviously not in all cases. Although I would add at the same time, you know, youngsters are being encouraged to embrace the world through spiritual activism, one thinks of the uh, antics, hilarious antics of extinction, extinction rebellion and various climate action groups when they, you know, uh, 
stick themselves to buildings or stick themselves to motorways, causing much inconvenience to motorists going about their daily business. I mean, we've all seen these um, crazy things going on. So we have a paradox. Um, perhaps the desire to change the world for the better is driven by a quite selfish motivation, um, which we know has become which become called or known as virtue signaling. Um, for example, many people claiming um, to support Ukraine have actually, I spoke about this earlier, have actually no idea how corrupt the regime the regime is. I spoke about this in part one, went into a little bit more detail there. So maybe the impulse to be a political revolutionary is not as sincere as it might appear on the surface, and in terms of those who wish to control the minds and perception of humanity, it is a great sleight of hand, or the whole trickster energy, if you will. You get people to think they are bringing about positive change in the world by triggering their impotent rage. But just like chess pieces being moved backwards and forwards, um, we're, we're just back to what I was talking about before, you know, in terms of emotions and manipulation. Was it the grand chessboard? Uh, I think Brzezinski once said, I'm not sure if it was a book that he wrote, the grand chessboard. Anyway, at the same time, I believe that individuals, um, you know, should have the freedom to express themselves any way they wish, as long as they are doing no harm to any other, any other individual, of course. And that's just common sense. So I'm just coming towards the end here of... Um, this part two, in which uh, I've delved into the murky world of um, woke uh, um, ideology and progressive politics, which, you know, I could have spoken about for hours and hours, as I'm sure all of you guys um, um, probably could do as well uh, amongst your, your friends and uh, relatives and acquaintances, if they're open to more alternative um, ideas shall we uh, say that I've been uh, attempting to share in this um, two-parter anyway I'm just going to run through uh, a conclusion here as a way of kind of you know bringing uh, things to a to some sort of um, round round up and uh, yeah so I've been talking about woke as a, a highly destructive force within society that shows no sign of relenting because it plays on people's emotional and psychological weaknesses and vulnerabilities, which we all possess as human beings. And, and that's just want to add that, you know, I used to be quite angry with these wokies, you know, the blue haired Cenobites, as uh, Thomas Sheridan calls them. And then, I, you know, I, I remember... You know, back in the day when I got lost down many conspiracy rabbit holes, I was championing the cause. You know, we need to stop the evildoers. We need to change the world. But, well, aren't these people driven by that same desire? So recently I've kind of come to not hold these, um, not have hostility towards these people and, and realise that we're all kind of being manipulated to a greater or lesser extent. And it's not about having hostility towards the wokies, if you like. Um, you know, we're all trying to um, navigate um, life the best way we can. And I don't like to think in terms of 
humanity's enemy but it, it really is the forces beyond the hidden hand they are the ones really the the ones who are the ones who are the ones who are culpable so to speak so just back to my conclusion the ultimate contract only continues to influence and profoundly alter society because as we know the world of academia the media science inadvertent comments the culture creators the trendsetters are all completely seduced and mesmerized by woke ideology and progressive politics it is the um this the new normal dare i say the new authoritarianism as i prefer to call it as it promises a kind of utopian world in which division disharmony intolerance are completely outlawed and well history tells us doesn't it what type of thinking uh, what type of you know that type of thinking how it ends and it isn't very pretty i don't i don't know what the answer is um you know we can't take on this political movement because it is so powerful it's so entrenched within society and the minds of millions if not billions of people as with all of these things um there really are there re there really are no easy answers as individuals you you have to do um the best that you can and i know what i'm going to say now is repeated by a lot of people but obviously we need to do our best to protect the children protect the children but you know i know it's a cliche but it's true we really do need to endeavor to protect the children so for some people it will be to take they'll need to take their children out of mainstream education so they're not exposed to these nefarious um agendas but it's very difficult because for a lot of parents and caregivers that they simply don't have that um that option unfortunately life is complicated and it, and it's getting even more comp complicated as um society begins to really fall apart and a lot of institutions similarly begin to fall apart and a lot of things a lot of norms that we once thought um you know were to be good and true are, are just unraveling and falling apart at the seams so anyway i just want to leave you with this quote from voltaire which currently rings true more than ever before certainly since uh the late the uh, covid debacle you've probably heard it before but it's well worth repeating repeating sorry and i quote those who who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities end quote let's just hope humanity comes to its senses before we get to this stage um you know let's let's, let's just hope that that is what happens so anyway many thanks for tuning in uh to this part two the two-parter series um i hope you've enjoyed to listening to today's episode and part one i appreciate it's such a vast and controversial area of discussion so forgive me if um i haven't mentioned any specific areas of the whole woke thing and progressive politics that you're uh, particularly interested in but i'm sure in future episodes i will um uh, address the whole woke thing along with um, associated issues as well so um thank you all again and um i will speak to you all again very soon bye for now